It's January the 24th, 2015. This is 508 to show about Worcester. I'm Mike Benedetti. Also on the show today is Julius Jones. How's it going, Julius? Pretty good, Mike. Thank you. I'm glad. So happy you're on here. Brendan Melikin is currently on hiatus this week. I hope he will be back soon. This week on the show, maybe we'll talk about the European Central Bank and quantitative easing. Definitely we'll talk about the Pulse Ones to watch list. We'll talk about the uh, free fall of local journalism, and we'll talk about Black Lives Matter and uh, Communities United in Worcester. Julius, how are you doing? I'm doing good on this Saturday morning. Thanks for coming. Yeah, Thanks yeah. For me on. I'm glad you're on the show. You've been on the show a couple of times before, and uh, uh, your presence is missed on this program. So oh. it's great to have you on one more time. Um, the Always first, a pleasure. The first thing I want to talk about, Julius, is the Pulse magazine's 15 people to watch in 2015. The Pulse ones to watch list, always the top story of any year here in Worcester. Let's talk about who's on the Pulse wants to watch list this year. And Julius, if you know any of these people, feel free to, to, to uh, pitch in. Elizabeth Silverberg, who owns Royal Sterling Clothing, is one to watch. Zach Dyer, the coordinator of the Chronic Disease Prevention and Partnership for the City of Worcester. Cara Bryn Dizzy, singer-songwriter. Oh, yeah, I've heard she's good. I've heard she's really good. I have, too. I've never seen her perform. I've never seen her play either, but like I've heard that she's really good. She's the good. name, like... Spark something in me. It's exciting. Kara's getting her name out there. Her posters are everywhere. Jesse Chris, musician. Joshua Croak, who is a brand architecture guy. Nadir Tharp, who is a minor league NBA player. Martha Walters, who is a Fulbright scholar. Rhodes scholar? Fulbright scholar? Oh, I can't read this text. Well, from Holy Cross? Uh, yeah, she's a Fulbright scholar, and she's currently studying in Indonesia. She's from Holy Cross. Do you know Martha? Yeah, Walker? yeah, we used to work together at the at Holy Cross Greenhouse. Well, there she is, man. She's the one to watch. Yeah, she's dope. Good job, Martha. Cesar Rodriguez, who's an artist. Nicholas Guerra, who is a guy who works for Representative Jim McGovern. Robert Fecto, who owns the Birch Tree Bread Company. Have you been to this place, this bakery that's in Crompton Collective area? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty fly. That's another place that I've heard of, seen a lot of uh, on Facebook. Smoky. Little smoky. Pretty, pretty fresh though. Smoky. Yeah, because it's uh, just the in, the air in there was like smoky, so little, little, little suffocating. Oh. But other than that, it was like beautiful. The layout is awesome. I gotta check it out. I'm like, I bet they got their ventilation situation straightened out. Uh, I'm gonna say everybody's name wrong. Wea Wisner, Wisner, the owner of Africa Forever Clothing. Heather Erickson, who is the public relations officer of the Miss Pink Pageant. Topher Mira, eco arborist. Our our friend Topher Mira. I'm excited to get him on the show to talk about his his uh, his tree stuff he's doing. Raphael and Cassandra Guzman, who own the Two Chefs Restaurant. Nima Hakim, oh, wait, oh, this is from some. Oh, Nima Hakim was on last last year. So those are the 15 people to watch. There they are, Worcester. I hope we can get some of them on this program this year. Um, the second thing that we should probably talk about today, just real briefly, actually, let's talk about Black Lives Matter. Let's talk about Communities United, and let's talk about Worcester journalism later in the show. What do you say? Yeah, let's go for it. Um, so there has been a lot of stuff in Worcester um, coming out of the community organization Communities United, connecting to the National Black Lives Matter movement. Probably most notably and most recently was on Martin Luther King Day, which is a day where a lot of people in Worcester celebrated in a lot of different ways. Uh, people blocked off Kelly Square for four and a half minutes. Um, and then there's been a bunch of follow-up stuff around, will people be arrested, will people not be arrested for that? Etc. Etc. But um, I wanted to start off by asking you, as someone who's been really involved in this stuff, um, 
people have been working on issues of racial justice and racial equality and uh, police behavior in the city of Worcester for a long time, decades and decades. Um, how has this uh, how has this Black Lives Matter sort of grown out of that or connected into that? Yeah, I, th- I see it as a as a long a long struggle mm-hmm. in Worcester, but uh, also a longer struggle for my people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, a lot of the people who are involved in CUC Communities United are also involved in some of the some of the organizations that were doing the work before CUC was created, mm-hmm. um, and it was sparked out of that. Um, out of some people from that, but also people from all walks of, of Worcester life um, who came together to try and you know, take action. It's actually a beautiful process. Um, and I see it as interconnected because the work piggybacks off of each other. Um, Worcester has a capacity to, to, um, to do something really different and big with racism because we're a big city that functions more like a like a friendlier, smaller version of itself. Yeah. Um, not that, you know, Connie Luke's isn't a problem or that Chief Jim isn't a problem, but there's more wiggle room for for progress here, I think. Hmm. Um, but I, I see it as, a, as part of a longer arc, and I see myself as, and the people that I work with, as part of a bigger struggle than, than just in Worcester. When did, when did Communities United show up on the scene? Uh, I was actually late to the scene, but I'm pretty sure it was in the weeks after uh, Mike Brown was murdered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was in the weeks after that that the conversations and the, and the first gatherings began. Okay. That, that, the conversations that formed Communities United or Communities United was around before that? The conversations that, that formed Communities United and the first groups and meetings and actions were, okay. were formed in those first weeks. Cool. Um, the second question I want to ask about is sort of about is about that Worcester component, like the national component. I feel like I hope people have educated themselves and whatever, read some stuff, talked to some people, learned a little bit about what's going on nationally. I'm interested to talk about the Worcester component, um, and a lot of people have talked about you know problems that they see with their with the relationship of the community of people of color and the police in Worcester, and. For me, anecdotal evidence is like enough of evidence of a problem. Like if 10 people stand up and say like, I've had a serious problem with the police and I think it's because of like structural racism, individual prejudice, whatever, I'm willing to say like, yeah, that sounds like that's a problem to me. Um, I feel like as far as figuring out details of that and like are we moving towards a solution, I'm interested more in like, statistics of stuff you know to say like we got five percent better like it doesn't feel to me like an anecdotal like anecdotal evidence is going to show you if you're making baby steps it's going to show you if you're making giant steps mm-hmm. um and i'm also you know i'm also personally like really interested in like like how people change things on the worcester level like how much of it is like we have a petition in front of city hall or, or city council and how much of it is like other stuff so I'm just interested to know from you, like how, like how do you guys, or how would you yourself? I guess you're not speaking officially in any capacity here. Mm-hmm. How would you yourself define define the, the problem or problems that we're talking about, and then like what specific stuff is being done at this point? Yeah, uh, I'm glad you said that. I'm not a, a representative for CUC. It's a it's a collective. I'm a member of CUC, mm-hmm. and so I can only speak for myself. 
Um, that'd be the smartest thing for me to, to say. <laughs> uh, I think uh, the problem in, in Worcester and the work that's being done is, you know, bigotry, Johnny Bigot, which is my name for uh, white supremacist, heteronormative patriarchy. Johnny Bigot has different incarnations all over the country. And in Worcester, it's not a, like um, as, as, as violent or vociferous in, in a lot of ways as it, is, as it is in some other places. It's more like like the police department genuinely feels like we've done enough for <laughs> for like the, this small section of our citizenship and uh, you know we're making efforts we're not New York we're not Ferguson um, and so the culture that they're coming at it with is uh, the face of of uh, w- when is enough going to be enough black people you know, that's, that's sort of their tone mm. um, and the, the progress that they're making is in alignment with progress that they're mandated to make because it was I can't cite the law, but there were some specific laws that were changed where it, it changed the mandatory ratio of recruitments of, of like police people that they recruit okay, and and who they recommend. So now one in four has to be a person of color okay. or something to that effect. And so they do that and a little bit more. And, um, you know, police chief, chief Jim claims have, you know, sought after corrupt cops and caught heat for it. Um, so, you know, there's those things that are in place that they talk about. But the problem with measuring things is the cops have to measure, oftentimes the cops will have to measure their own success. This is a problem with crime statistics in general. Yeah. We could point out that, you know, right now we're near Becker College, which, pardon me if I get this wrong, I think that Becker College has a very high uh, rate of sexual assaults. And the reason that, that this is is because I think that Becker College takes it seriously, reporting sexual assaults unlike other places. So you see this on the college level. You see this in questions, you know, these questions of like, how many people does the police kill every year? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, not, it's not really measured very well. It's not very measured very consistently. It wouldn't yeah. be really be acceptable uh, data in any other situation. See, but I think, I think that that's like institutionalism in its, in its various forms. So with the, uh, the lack of reporting of sexual abuse or sexual violence on campuses mm-hmm. is like the institutions trying to preserve themselves. That's right. Which That's makes right. a lot of sense to me, right? Because everybody's in there trying to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. And so if you ask somebody, hey, give me a detailed report on how much you messed up last year, they're less likely to do that. Right, than, right. Then they're less likely to tell you some, some tamped down version of the truth than the actual truth. And so we give our guys with guns the right to not tell us how much they shoot people. Mm. And that just don't make no sense. It don't make no sense. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and it's, it's backwards, right? But there's this whole culture of the blue wall, the blue line, right? That is a problem. Like, it's a problem, right? Because if white supremacy is anything, it's, it's white people either, like, going out and committing violent acts of destruction in order to preserve white power, and which is just people, white, white people winning, right? It's just winning. People say white supremacy like it's a big deal. It's just white people winning, and white people are winning. Even if not all of them are, white people are winning more so than people of color. And it has been like that since the start of the country. And 
I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought, but it's like when you when you ask a cop to to measure their own failures or success, you get a problem. But then if you if you imply that a cop is anything but a god, then you're seen as like anti American. You know? It's like there there is a middle ground. There's a middle ground. There are plenty of heroic cops, and I'll say this until I don't have to say it anymore. There are plenty of heroic cops. And I have personally had experience with a lot of them, right? But when the heroic cops won't cast out the bad cops ever, ever, then the heroic cops sully their own history by aligning with them. And the, the bad cops are riding their coattails too. It's a shame. It's a shame. It's, a, it's like a cultural problem where people feel like if you say anything against a cop, you're, you're being hypercritical when that's not, that's not the case. It's about public safety. And your public safety people shouldn't be killing people as in, at the rates that they do. It shouldn't happen. But it is. And people need to look at that problem. And Worcester needs to push that blue line back. Push that blue line back and make some city people say, actually, you know what? This is wrong. And I get why. Because nobody's saying that. Now it's just Turtle Boy and Jordan Levy and all of these bigots talking about, you know, calling the protesters terrorists and, and saying all kinds of, you know, not not like hurtful to me, but like just straight up stupid, you know, yeah. like it's just lie. It's just a lie, you know. Yeah, that's not a conversation that's going to help anybody understand anything. Yeah. It's just making things up. Yeah, it's making things up. So, so you, so you, so I just want to, I mean, I just want to reiterate this question. Um, I mean, like, is there stuff, is there stuff that we could point to at a local level that we're, that we're going to be able to point to at the end of 2015 to say things are better or worse than 2014? Like, are there numbers that people are looking at or people are still getting their head around what, what that is? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what that is. And I can't speak for, for that agenda where it, you know, it's a conversation in the works, but I can't speak for that agenda. I mean, me personally, what I would measure as success is since we started off the year with such public statements, uh, you know, pro-police that were intentionally anti-protester. You're talking about city, the I'm city council. About city council, Connie right. Lukes. Right. Yeah. Connie is Johnny, I say, in this instance, because she did something that was intentionally bigoted, and I'm so mad about it because it's it was in poor judgment. She said... These protesters are out of line and then proposed a resolution to say, I love cops, and then drove a wedge where there, what, where there didn't need to be one. Right, that there's no reason that saying, I love cops, needs to also mean, and I'm against this Black Lives Matter stuff. Those are, seem like there can be separate issues. But it was implied in her action with her message, because as a politician, that's what she's supposed to do, is send messages one way or another. Mm -hmm. Right? You say one thing, and you mean something else. It's all about the words that are in the speech and not in the speech, right? So I'm giving her heat because she needs it. She needs to know that that was like the dumbest thing that she could have possibly done, and it sullies her career, and she needs to apologize for it because that is so big, it was so bigoted and so hurtful to disrespect, you know, not just like me and like people of my age range, but like disrespect these kids who are coming out trying to get engaged in a political process, and then the first thing that they get is a slap in the face from from the whole entire city council, except for two, it was it was in poor judgment, you know? And so, since we're starting out the year in that tone, she set the tone, I think we need to, like, set the tone, too, and other people in the city need to not 
let Connie Luke's hijack their message like they usually do and make statements of their own in support or wherever they fall on the Black Lives Matter question. I think they got to come and they got to speak to it. They got to speak to it publicly. And they need to say that there is validity to the claims of the protesters. Not only to our right to protest, but there's validity to what we're saying. Because right now, nobody's saying that. And if they don't agree with that, then at least we know where we stand. Mm-hmm. You know, But if we do agree with that, and people can say it in conversation or privately, but then they won't say it in public, what does that imply? It implies that they don't want to catch that white anger. They don't want to catch that white ire, because white people are pissed. White people are pissed off right now. So mad about traffic. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, that's what I need to ask you about next. Because people keep coming up to me all week long, Julius, all the last couple of weeks, and they keep saying, like, what do you think about this blocking traffic? I kind of don't think it's a good idea. What do you think? And I'm like, you know what? I can see why it wouldn't be a good idea. Let me, <coughs> let me ask you this question, though. Um, why do you think... Well, I'll ask you a couple-part question about this. Why do, you th- why do you think that this has become, like, the signature tactic of this movement nationwide? I think... I think the Black Lives Matter thing to a lot of, to me personally, and I think to some other people, is like a, is a pushing of very simple buttons, right? Mm-hmm. So Black Lives Matter isn't claiming anything, uh, anything that's unprovable. You know, like Black Lives Do Matter. It's yeah. a very simple statement, right? Mm-hmm. But look at how much controversy it sparked, right? Right. There's a whole thing of all lives matter or blue lives matter. All of these versions of lives matter. Mm -hmm. People want to be in the club, in the blank lives matter club. Mm -hmm. And I say, as soon as you get several highly public lynchings of your men and and children getting killed in the street by cops, then you can join this VIP club. But until then, we're saying black lives matter. Because the rest of the world acts like it doesn't. That's right. Right? That's right. That's one thing that I think people don't get. Is they're like, wait, by saying black lives matter, are you saying other people? Like, why don't all lives matter? And the answer is, it's kind of like all men are created equal. Like, the people who wrote that did not meant all men except for, for example, black guys. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's actually helpful to be like, to be like oh, <laughs> black, black lives are also created equal. Black lives also matter. Because when we say all lives matter, like you said, we don't act like that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you say all truths at all times? Like... Hello, hello, Michael. You know, your hair is brown. Mm-hmm. And your pants are blue. Right. And your eyes are beautiful. Something, you know, like you don't some, you don't announce everything all the time. You say what you want to say to highlight some things you need to point out. Some things you need to point out and some things are okay to not say. And this is just pointing out something that maybe people need it. But but the Black Lives Matter thing is an assault on the the, the reason why people are so offended is an assault on their sense of like their own self image. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, why you got to say Black Lives Matter? I would, I'm so, I'm so like, I'm so ready for the, for the time when like a year later, right? When, when people are looking back on it, maybe they get it more. They're going to wonder how could they ever say, why are you saying Black Lives Matter? I All Lives that's, Matter. That's something that I, I would think. never want anybody to ever say of like, what, like having to attack Black Lives Matter, right? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Um, but to get to your, but to get to your question, right, about the traffic stuff. Mm-hmm. So, the thing, I can't speak for anybody else, right? I was in Kelly Square, and I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it, right? And Kelly Square is a crazy traffic situation 
anyway, right? And a disruption of of the of the size and scale of what happened could have happened just on its own, and I've seen it happen just on its own, just without anything happening, right? So I didn't feel like it was going to be that much of a like of like an affront on on the flow of the city kind of thing, right? And I, but I thought it would be effective and and highly visible. And it was effective and it was highly visible, but the backlash has been strong. But Mike, I swear, the reason why people are pissed off about about traffic, I don't think it has anything to do with traffic. I don't think it has anything to do with traffic. And now, you know, it's come up that, that police unions, uh, firefighters, many groups of people have taken the highway and, and blocked traffic in the past. Yeah, and yeah. like much worse, you know. But they're usually white dudes, you know. It's like when it's white dudes who block traffic, it's okay. But when it's you know, and, and the people who were in 93, you know, were like non-black. I think all of them were. And, um, you know, the, the people, me who did it, it's like, because it's an issue around blackness, then it pokes at that American funny bone about blackness and whiteness. And that's really what people are mad about. And this whole, this whole thing of like hypothetical emergencies there was a, there was a, well, I do. Okay, I, so the, 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 uh, I want to not get derailed about this because we got to stay. We only have a limited amount of time for TV. Um, I just want to ask you, like, do you think? Do you think that this is? You think that this is working? That blocking traffic is working to, in some way, move things forward. I think if people can spend so much quality time of their day, like pontificating about the possibilities of what could have happened, whilst we were in the street for four and a half minutes. And like go into great detail and have so much awesome compassion for some something that hasn't happened. They need to take that and transfer that to compassion for black people. This is like Sandy Hook for us. This is like Columbine for us. Mm-hmm. Okay? You can't walk around and 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 the only thing that you say is all lives matter. Because that is a slap in the face to your own history. Mm-hmm. Right? No matter what ethnic group people come from, everybody's experienced oppression. And when you turn your back on an oppressed group who's saying, we are being oppressed, then you dishonor your own history, right? The reason why people are so mad, it ain't about traffic. It's because America wants to be done with this blackness question. It wants to be done. We voted in Obama. What else can we do? Mm-hmm. What else can we do? If Obama can't fix it, who can? Right? Right. Like, when are you guys, when are you guys just going to get over this and be like, you know, slavery was a long time ago. Like... You know, like, you know, what was it? It was like 2,000 years ago, man. It was like so long. Well, I mean, I mean, 150 years, man, that's such a long time. You right. know, you get, get it together, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about black-on-black crime? People will do anything. To get People on will to do another, anything to not issue. look at bigotry in themselves, you know. Yeah. But as a person who now can identify as a feminist, right, that was not an easy shedding for me. Mm-hmm. It was not an easy shedding for me as a man. It's very rough, and um, you know, fast learner. But like, whatever. It it took a while. You know, it took like like a couple months for me to like really get it. You know, and it was about an examination, like a critical examination with someone who understood, who was willing to talk to me about it. Right, and people need to have that same internal conversation about whiteness and blackness and, and their own identities, because we can't live in a world where we're where we disregard completely the views of each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, people people will always say, like, 
Like, I don't, I don't know what those people are about. I don't get that. You know, like, I just don't get that. Well, then you need to learn. You need to learn. If you don't get something, you at least need to get an understanding so that you can, like, have a personal understanding of it that's functional, that is on the level, that's true, that works in the real world, that will, will make it so that you can interact with all people from all walks of life successfully, right? But if we walk around thinking that white is real and black is real and we don't remember that it was all made up just to divide us in the first place and then go on and, and draw battle lines based on those, then we, like, get further and further away from the truth that we're all human, that we all have hearts, and that love is the driving force in all of our lives, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason why those cops who are out there, you know, feeling like they're defending what's good and right, and, and that's, that's how they operate in their heart. That's, where they, that's what they wake up with every day. They go out trying to protect their families, their communities, right? Why they have a problem with black people is because their whole entire existence, they've been told black people are the problem. Black people are the thing you keep out of the neighborhood. Right, and us as a community are objectified in white communities, and you know how you know? It's the way that everyday white people talk about it when they say, like that black guy, right? It's that distancing language, right? That everybody grows up with, for for other groups, you know, like everybody has some sort of like major or minor bigotry in them, right? Mm -hmm. That we need to sh we need to shed, but as a country, we need to recognize that. This is an open and closed academic issue. We have the answers. The verdict is in. Racism is real. Institutional racism is real. Systemic racism is real. White supremacist heteronormative patriarchy is a thing, right? Johnny Big is a motherfucker. I'm going to have to edit the show so much shorter. Sorry. <laughs> well, let's, you know, we could talk about this all day, and this is too important for me to cut off now, but we do have a time limit. So this is, I just want to wrap up the show with a couple more things. Um, uh, I did want to mention that uh, Brittany Durgan has left as the editor of Worcester Magazine, and Thomas Kaywood has left as maybe the best reporter at the Telegram and Gazette uh, in the last couple of weeks, and I think that this is a huge negative impact on local journalism, and we will talk possibly with them and definitely with other people about that very soon. We got a lot of notes this week about other things we should talk about. Jim Kirsten wants us to talk about the quarter of a billion dollars in Massachusetts school building authority funding heading into Worcester. Yes, we're going to be building and rebuilding a lot of schools. Mike Amidon writes asking that we should talk about the chili contest on the Worcester Common Oval, February 7th. The first annual Box 4 Chili Bowl Public Safety Family Day. Skating, this is going to be on the 7th of February. Skating is from 12 to 5. There's a chili cook-off from 2 to 4. Neighboring towns are encouraged to enter. Calling all unions, enter your best chief. Free skating for families of the fire department, police department, EMS, communications, and state police. Also, it says, touch a fire truck, police cruiser, or ambulance. This is your event, Julius. <laughs> you go to this. Um, we also got people writing in, a couple of people writing in at, saying that we should mention that um, our longtime uh, representative at the State House, Harriet Chandler, who's been now been in office for 20 years in one way or another at the State House, is now the Senate Majority Leader of uh, the Massachusetts State Senate. Jim Dempsey writes that we should talk about Inflate Gate. No way, Jose. I'm not going to talk about that. Jim, Jim May suggests we should talk about North High School and Harriet Chandler. Jack Stewart writes in saying that we should note, note that 18,800 people have been purged from the voter rolls because they haven't voted in four years or filled out the city census. This may be you. You just need to like 
you know, get your name out there every once in a while and you can stay on the voter rolls. A lot of these people are people who moved away and whatever, and they just try to clean this stuff up a little bit. Colin Novick suggests we should talk about the city council exploring the option of surrendering to the Asian longhorn beetle and letting New England's forest die. That's actually not an exaggeration of what they're saying. It's pretty crazy. We can't talk about it today. If you want to, if you want to run for the school committee or the Worcester City Council, you can pick up your uh, nomination papers on March the 3rd. Ooh. Julius, we've got two minutes left. Can you yes, tell sir. me... One amazing thing in the city of Worcester that people need to be aware of that they are maybe not. Uh, I think, <clears throat> I was thinking about it, I was thinking a lot about it. I think um, a lot of people don't know about the sort of taproot. And this is like kind of out this? of left field. What is this? But taproot is like the store where you can get like a spiritual stone and some quartz or some like tarot cards or some incense. Something magnetic. You maybe? know, something, <laughs> something with hematite. You know, something like where, like, there's Wiccans that might be there. And there's like crazy books and. Where is this store? It's on West Boston Street. Oh, I think I've driven by this store. Is this a good place? Yeah, it's a great place because because you can go there, right? Taproots first, right? And that's on the Worcester line. And then they got a DQ if you're into that sort of thing. And but then they also have like that uh, that very what's that awesome local bakery that's there? I never get out that. It's not holy cannoli. Uh, Anyway, it's it's a great little strip of, of, of Worcester that lots of people don't know about. The Dairy Queen, the bakery, the, the, Dairy the, 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 Wiccan, the, the O'Connor's. Wiccan O'Connor's you know, it's, it's like an awesome strip of, of Worcester. Cool. I'll have to check it out. Julius, thanks for being on the show. Bless. Good luck with your work this year. Thanks a lot to you, man. I'm Mike Benedetti. If you have any complaints, as you almost certainly do, email me at pieandcoffee at gmail.com. And Worcester will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.